2: hey mr dj put a cube draft on i want to draft all night long and when the cube draft stops i never want to stop it's gonna drive me crazy nice that was amazing (laughs) we had dj beatboxing yeah i couldn't get him to sing a single time he did six months with me he didn't sing once
3: not once (laughs) we were happy too (laughs) that was pretty good i'm proud of us what's up everybody you're watching slash listening to the command zone podcast i'm your host jimmy wong how is it it's
2: josh lee kwai and and i'm dj yay all three of us are here a lot of people have asked for this it's only happened like twice maybe even once It very very first first time. Oh, that's right, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we are going to be talking about Cube and building a Commander Cube. The latest Game Nights with Brandon Sanderson came out and was a big hit. A lot of people very excited. Huge hit. Yeah, we've had so many comments about people that want to build a Commander Cube, wanted more information about Commander Cube. So we've got DJ here as our resident Cube expert, because, spoiler alert, Jimmy and I have played a lot of Cube, but we haven't built a lot of cubes no
3: a lot of cubes plural a <laughs> like, single cube yeah <laughs> we are very two-dimensional up in this house uh there we to be talking about a lot of cards today right guys because a cube has a lot of cards in it if you want to build one so a best place to go do that is by supporting us by using our affiliate link at cardkingdom.com slash command zone you can go there and build an entire cube by just clicking through putting all the cards together and whamble bammo, it'll arrive in your house you can get some sleeves to go with it and you're just done you're good to go
2: in fact, Card Kingdom actually has a starter cube. What? That's specifically already built to get you started with cube drafting. It's actually, it's like $99. It's cool. 360 cards, I believe. Yeah, 360 cards, sleeved. Sleeved. That's a big thing, actually. That's huge. <laughs> and it's already built for you, so they've already worked out a lot of the kinks, and that's a good starting point. Like I said, like I said, it's called a starter cube. So cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's a good way to just sort of already be like halfway in the deep end of the pool rather than having to swim all the way there did that analogy make any sense it made total sense but <laughs> okay. you never want your cards near water well, yeah. so well, they're sleeved already too.
3: oh that's right because <laughs> well, <laughs> well
2: actually you probably want to double sleeve them and you probably want to put them into <laughs> yes. ultra Yay. pro sleeves eclipse sleeves are probably the ones that are going to keep them the safest cubes can get pretty expensive with the cards that you put in them i played yours dj it's got legit cards in it so you really want to protect that stuff you want to put it in legit sleeves like Mm -hmm. Eclipse you want to put it into nice uh, well it doesn't fit in a deck box but uh, Ultra Pro actually has like a cube box that will fit an entire cube blade on play mats all the rest of it so by supporting our sponsors you really are supporting us
3: and the last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone our patrons got to see the commander cube episode a day early amongst many many other benefits we also shout one lucky patron out every single week so this week's episode is dedicated dedicated to to
2: Corey Thomas. Thomas Corey, you rock. All right, before we kick things off, we got something special a little bit today. You might have noticed that a box suddenly appeared in front of me.
3: <laughs> yeah, actually, if you've been paying attention on social media, you'll have seen Wizards posting cryptically about something exciting happening over the last few days, and they've actually asked us to be a part of the, pre- the preview of what this new product is.
2: Yeah, so this box here, it's called Secret Layer, and Wizards gave us a little tagline, which is, what would Magic Cards look like if the imaginations of the artists were completely unleashed? Mm. DJ, you like alternate arts and foils and stuff, right?
1: Oh my gosh, I love them so much. Can can we open it? Uh, can, do you know what's inside? Yeah, hang on, hang on. Before we do, we got to go over some details. Okay. Right.
3: So okay. they're calling this a drop series, and this is one out of seven different drops. And if you guys are paying attention, you'll see that other creators are out there previewing the other ones. We're gonna be one of the last people, so make sure you're on the uh, make sure you're on the lookout for that.
2: Yeah. So each of these drops is a small collection of cards with quote wild and unique brand new art. Our drop is called Kaleidoscope Killers. DJ, what do you think Kaleidoscope Killers could possibly mean?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I think it's going to have to be multicolored. You're right. right. Uh, kaleidoscope, lots of yeah. colors. <laughs> and when I think of Lair, I kind of think of like a demon or a dragon or something like that. Oh, so, oh, okay. so maybe a multicolored dragon is my guess.
2: Turns out, DJ is a really good guesser. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Well, let's let you do the honors. You oh, can open it up.
1: yes. All right. So inside. Oh, already. Oh my gosh! So cool. Yeah,
2: there's actually three cards in there. Yeah, go open can I them start up. talking about yeah, them yeah. right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're sweet. I got an idea actually. Let's let's each grab one. Right, we'll and then we'll play notes. them onto the table Dragon game night style. Yeah, you, yeah, you favorite. take your favorite. Okay, one, two, three. Pow. So we've got... Reaper King.
1: The Ur-Dragon.
2: And Sliver Overlord. I really should have wow. got Reaper King based on the Commander Cube episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how very fitting, right? It's all coming together. So, wow. yeah, they're all art by Justine Jones, who is a comic book artist. Or Look at known, the line work closely. on this. Yeah, really sweet. They're all in foil. Beautiful. Beautiful
1: line work. The colors are vibrant and exciting. Yeah, they're it's pretty cool stuff. And... Um, They're all five colors, so that must be the kaleidoscope part.
3: Indeed, and they're all killer cards, too. These are all extremely powerful cards, each in their own right. And, of course, each box is going to come with a unique code as well. So if you want to unlock sleeves on Arena and also some MTGO value, then these drops are definitely something that you want to get your hands on.
1: Okay, I need need these. How do I get them?
2: (laughs) Okay, so... As we said earlier, there are seven of these. Drops, as they're calling them. Yeah, so seven different little collections of cards. And they're actually going to be selling them in a pretty unique way. So on each day from December 2nd to December 9th, one of these drops will go on sale for a 24-hour period. And then that's it. Once the 24 hours is up, that drop is gone forever. You'll never be able to order it from Wizards again. But this is great. It's not
3: a limited edition run in the way that you might think. It's actually printed to demand. So that means if you order it within this period of time, you are going to get it. And there's a limit of 10 per drop. So not going to sell out like the Mythic Editions of the past.
1: Okay, so on Monday, one of them comes on sale and it's only there for Monday. It's gone on Tuesday, but on Tuesday... There's a brand new one, right? and then on Wednesday there's another new one.
2: Right, but the one from Tuesday is gone, and then they'll go through that until they've sold all seven.
3: That's right. Although Astute listeners will note that there are actually eight days between December 2nd and 9th. That's because on the first day, Wizards is going to give you the opportunity to buy all seven of the drops at once in a bundle for a discount, so you don't have to wait day by day if you don't want to do that.
1: Yes, please. I will take
2: that option. (laughs) How much are they? Okay, so there are 7 total, right? Well, 5 of those 7 are priced at 29.99 each, and the other 2 are 39.99. Now, we're not in charge of previewing all of the drops, obviously, but we can say that the one we just previewed, Kaleidoscope Killers, it is one of the $39.99 ones.
3: And if you want to find out more about this Secret Lair series, you just go to secretlair.wizards.com. They've got a bunch of other info, including which countries are going to ship to and some other details. For instance, you can sign up and get notified when the new drop goes on sale.
2: Yeah, we tried to give out all the relevant info here, but there's a lot. So if you're interested, be sure to check the website. Again, it'll be linked in the show notes.
1: These look really cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. They, they do look sweet. And they would look even better in a cube.
3: So make sure you <laughs> check out com if you want to find out more. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay,
2: so... Yeah, back on the rails here. DJ, before we get started, we're going to be talking about Commander Cube, obviously, and how to build one and the best way to go about it. But why are who are you and why are you here, DJ? <laughs> That's
1: right. Okay. Uh, my name's DJ. You might notice me from the Command Zone, but you also might know me from the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel, where I talk about commander deck techs and talk about strategy and cool decks and uh, cool guides, honestly. Uh, but the reason why you have that. me today is because... Cube might be something I love more than Commander. Wow. Asp. Heresy. Heresy. I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> you know I, are are you're not cube- Go ahead. You're not the only person
3: to have said that, by the way. I've talked to a lot of Magic players who all agree that cube is just one of their favorite ways to play, bar none.
1: It's a phenomenal format and I own several cubes and I've built many of them. Uh, My favorite is my vintage cube that's my baby, but I also have a cons block cube, which you would appreciate. Uh Uh, I also have, uh, I've built a commander cube in the past and so I have a lot of experience uh, building up cubes and understanding kind of what makes them tick and how to maintain them. And so... I think I'm the right person to walk you through this Commander Cube. D- yes, agree.
2: DJ is our cube expert today. So, okay, <laughs> main topic is building a Commander Cube, but we're going to begin and we're going to split this episode kind of in half. We'll start by explaining and talking about what a regular cube is, and then we'll kind of transition into talking about the specifics of designing or building a Commander Cube, which has its own sort of intricacies and difficulties, yep. but without knowing... Or understanding exactly how a regular cube works, I think it's even harder to just jump straight to Commander Cube, right? Absolutely. So we're going to start with regular cube. DJ, what is a cube? Well, it's a geometric figure,
1: Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wondering. I thought, right? What are our <laughs> All right. Well, a cube is basically a draft set. You right. get draft sets all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when we when Wizards releases a set, they're saying, hey, these cards, they play really well together. You can draft them with your friends and have fun with them. A cube is just one of those that you've made yourself. You've selected all sorts of different cards and put them together, and hopefully they play well together. And uh, some people have decided that, well, Vintage Cube, for example, it collects the most powerful cards in Magic and puts mm-hmm. them together, and it makes a really fun format, but there's also uh legacy cube, modern cube, mono blue cubes, and Uncommon things like Cube. Yeah, popper yeah. cubes yep. and commander cube is one variation of this larger idea of you creating your own set.
2: You're oh. creating a limited environment. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. One thing to note is that generally cube is singleton. But in Brandon's Cube, which we'll be referencing um, because of the Game Nights episode, I guess we should have said earlier, if you haven't watched the Game Nights episode, you you might want to before watching this. Or you could watch this and then that. It'll probably work in either direction. We'll try not to
3: spoil anything, but some people did notice that there were a couple of lands that were actually two ofs in the cube, and Brandon's Cube just does have a couple of lands. I believe he did that for better fixing and just more options
2: for players to play more colors. Yeah, none none of the spells are, are more than Singleton, but some of the lands were doubled up.
1: And one thing that's great about a cube is that you are building it. So if you want to break these rules and create multiples, you totally can. Mm-hmm. I've seen cubes where if you draft one Squadron Hawk, you draft four Squadron Hawks. That's
2: just a rule within the yeah, cube. That's yeah. Just, oh, yeah, that's just kind cool. of
1: a rule within the cube. And I've also seen other cubes where uh, people introduce multiple of certain cards. For example, my cons block cube, there are more commons in the set than uncommons or rare.
2: Makes right. sense because you want to simulate what cons is. not. So singleton wouldn't really work. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about cube size. There are varying size of cube. The common ones are 360 cards, which is the Card Kingdom starter cube is 360. 540. Sometimes you'll see a big cube at 720. Brandon's cube was over 900 <laughs> cards, which is kind of crazy. It's a oh, huge
3: cube. That's yeah. huge. Do you know how many, yeah. do you know how many cards a uh, uh, Tony Hawk's cube has? <laughs>
2: 1080! <laughs> Jimmy's been saving that one I mean, for a I saw the numbers. I was like, wait a second. So let's talk about the advantages, disadvantages of cube size here. Um, Larger or smaller, what what do you have to say about that? So if we start
1: off with a small amount, uh, 360 cards. If you have eight people drafting, uh, three packs of 15 cards each. It all adds up. So basically every single card in the cube will be opened by those eight players over those three packs of 15.
2: Mm. So every draft, you'll see every card in a 360 cube. Exactly. With eight players, yeah. So
1: you can build in some certainty with what's going on in your cube because you know that every card will be available. Mm. But... You might feel like your cube gets redundant because the same cards are being opened every single time. Right. Uh, for five forty, then there's going to be some cards when you sit down at a draft that'll never be opened. You'll never see them from one cube session to another.
2: Right. And approximately then approximately one hundred eighty cards.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: And seven twenty is even more so. Mm-hmm. It so it increases the variance and maybe the replayability. But I would assume that the larger it gets, the harder it is to
1: design. The harder it is to predict what the decks are gonna be like. And so you might end up with decks that gravitate towards good stuff mm. rather than specific themes because you run into that push and pull of, well, if my cube is small, I can build very specific themes because every card will be there at the table. Mm -hmm. And if there's a card that belongs in this theme, then it'll wheel and it'll be opened and everything will be great. The larger you get, then maybe if you include a two card combo like uh, Sahili and Felidar Guardian, Maybe one of those isn't even opened. And, and the larger
2: it gets, the more likely it is that one of them isn't opened. Exactly. Right. So it feels bad. You draft one, hoping the other comes around, and it,
1: it good chance it just never will. See it. yeah. Yeah, because the goal of Cube is to create a play environment that's fun right. and enjoyable. And as the creator, you really want people to be excited and happy when they're playing with mm-hmm. your Cube. And there are a few feel-bads when someone's like well, I keep drafting Felidar Guardian, and I never actually get the second half of the combo. What's going on?
3: Right. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, in that case, a lot of times you'll see cubes, like, let's say it was a Kiki-Jiki and Pestermite combo. Mm. Like, blue-red is still a very strong thing, But in the case that you don't find one or the other, you can still make a really good blue-red deck. So you don't get as punished, right? Are you trying to build in those sort of insurance policies?
1: And they'll build in redundancies. So you mentioned Pestermite. They'll build in Deceiver Exarch. They'll Mm -hmm. build in Splinter Twin. They'll build in um, Zealous Conscripts. And so they'll try to reach a critical mass for a strategy.
2: I think one of the things people really liked about the Game Nights episode was that when we built the decks from the draft, everybody had a strategy that was pretty clear cut. Like, Brandon was Nicol right. Bolas and playing Nicol Bolas. <laughs> steal. Stop. Steal your stuff. Kill your stuff. Mind control you stuff. Jimmy was playing a tokeny strategy. I had the graveyard recursion strategy. Nadine was playing like an all haymakers and removal deck. Mm-hmm. Like, His cube was huge, and yet we managed to find these nice archetypes, which I think made it feel more like Commander to people.
1: Yeah, and when we go go into the second half of the episode where we talk about his cube specifically and Commander cube specifically, we're going to find out some of the ways that he was able to make such a large card size feel so unique and diverse. Right.
3: Mm -hmm. And one more note, when you're saying opening packs, we're not actually opening cards in cube. Usually what we're doing is... Hold uh, on, fail. That was just fail. For the listeners at home, DJ tried to do some sort of move with the paper in it. <laughs> He's known for this.
1: This is a great move. <laughs> you try to float the paper. Oh, nice. That one actually works. That was nice. It was like a little paper
3: airplane. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, you're not opening cards. Usually, what you'll do is you'll shuffle up all the cards in nice sleeves. That's why we love all Eclipse the 900 sleeves. cards or whatever. Yeah. So you shuffle them all up, and then you create piles of packs. So basically, 15 card packs, and then you pass those around, and that's what we call like opening a booster pack. You're basically making your own booster pack.
2: Oh, and something something along those lines. That that you noted here, DJ, was that in a commander cube or a larger cube, maybe you try and sort of mitigate against some of those disadvantages you were talking about by having the packs be more than 15 cards. So in Brandon's cube, for example, we open 21 card packs, right. not 15 card packs, which just kind of ups the level or amount of cards you're going to see and makes it so maybe the synergies are a little bit easier to put together because you get those extra cards that you wouldn't otherwise have.
1: The more cards you can see, the more consistent your deck can be and the more you can build exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you ever made a sealed deck? Right. Six packs. Have you ever done a box sealed before? Yeah, that's more like constructed. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it ends up being so much more refined because you just see more cards and you can make something that feels a little bit more like constructed. And so in this commander cube you're going to want to try to create an environment that isn't just like let's just draft some cards but let's create something that feels like a commander deck
3: right I like recommending that to newer players too sometimes like I've done four pack drafts of limited sets just to make sure everyone in case they waffled around and didn't like solidify what they're doing can get enough cards to make sure that their strategy actually works at the end of the day
2: yeah our player used to do that a lot when we were learning to draft just that extra pack just made everybody less stressed and yeah uh, Mm -hmm. and made it a lot easier for people who aren't good at draft to feel like okay I'm still gonna end up with a good deck at the end because I just have like six or seven extra cards i wouldn't have had Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. okay um let's talk about cube power level here so what power level do you want games to be at is a question you need to be asking yourself when you're building your cube so for instance brandon's cube on game night's he purposely didn't use any cards in that cube that were in his powered cube, his vintage cube. So a lot of cards were just out, just wouldn't be in the cube at all uh, because he had made that decision. If it was in one, it wasn't going to be in the other. And this was a way I think for him to sort of cramp down on or put a, a, um, a check on the Mm -hmm. highest of high power levels that it could get. So you couldn't have Kiki Jiki Pestermite in that cube, which I think a lot of commander players out there who don't like that in commander wouldn't like it in cube either, but you, you could just not have that in your cube and then you don't have like if you don't like infinite combos don't put them in you you could just not have them in your cube and then nobody's going to infinite combo yeah (laughs) if you don't want
3: a single removal effect you could do that too oh my gosh (laughs) probably you don't (laughs) want to do that if you want only mass land destruction (laughs) hey it's your cube not mine (laughs) (laughs) yeah the thing so there are tons of power of different kinds of cubes you'll hear people say this is a powered cube this is a vintage cube and the reason that you know I think Bran wanted to avoid putting power so like the moxon and stuff and all those like very powerful cards in his cube is that if you watch a the streamer draft the vintage cube for instance the moment a mox comes up or a time walk it's an instant take and right. there's no yeah. like ifs ands or buts about it and so it sometimes can sort of narrow the direction that you go and I think his commander cube wanted to be a little more free form and practical especially because he had his special conspiracy-esque cards in there too
1: right well, also you want to make sure that your cube is pretty balanced and it's very easy in a vintage cube to say, well, okay, only the best cards, the most competitive cards can be balanced. But when you're talking about uh, a cube with the power level that Brandon has, or maybe even a modern cube, you can include some cards in there that will skew the format and make one strategy way more powerful than the other. Right. And then you're creating a play environment that isn't as fun. Right, everyone whoever knows whoever opens yeah. this
2: card and drafts that archetype is just going to have an advantage. That's not super fun necessarily. People know yeah. that
1: mono red wins way more often than the other archetypes. Then people might go after mono red, and then you're not getting those interesting games. And then maybe two people decide to go mono red because they know it's a powerful archetype. And then you split that, and then it ends up creating not very fun play environments. Yeah.
2: You also had a note here about just the practicality of like a cube that doesn't have all your most powerful stuff in it.
1: Yeah. So when you, here's the thing you want to play with your cube, right? So if you make a cube, you kind of want to keep it together and have it's a lot there. of work to put it together. It too. Really yeah. is. So, yeah. You and don't so, want to be
3: stripping cards out of it. The, yeah.
1: And so if you have every single one of your commander staples, all of your most precious cards together in this cube, and you're only playing it once a month or not once every three deck, months, right? they're, not, they're not in your commander decks. Right. And so some people, when they're putting their best and most favorite cards together, they're not getting enough use out of them and we want you playing with your cards. Right. Uh, And also, if you have every card from Vintage Cube in there, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so bulk rares and commons and uncommons can really be a great backbone for your cube because you're not going to use those cards
1: otherwise. And people think like, oh, that's not going to be as fun. It is so much fun. Tons of fun. Popper Cube is very fun, very interactive. It's a really great game. And same thing with those bulk rares. A lot of times, the cards that we like to play with in Limited are those like the, those uncommons that are like interesting to play. Yeah, to play. Yeah, those mythic uncommons.
3: Yeah,
1: they're not really good enough. And so you can set your power level to make sure that your cards are super interesting, but not super, you know, expensive and something that'll really break your budget.
3: Yeah, breathe some life into those old bulk
2: commons and uncommons that you still might have lying around. Well, like, people really love like when Feather comes out, like getting to play all these cards that, you know, they just couldn't put anywhere else or in any other deck. They were just useless to them. And cube yeah. could be a way to make cards relevant and fun to play that you just couldn't put into your commander decks.
1: Well, and also some people that might've been buying precons for a few times, they might have excess of these commander staples that right. could go together into a commander cube very nicely.
2: All right, let's talk about archetypes and themes. So once you've decided like how big your cube's going to be, what your power level you want it to be at, you need to start figuring out, you know, what specific cards go in there, what tools you want to give to the drafters, what archetypes and themes are supported. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some good advice for people that are starting to design their cube i've started this process like a couple of times and you think it's going to be like deck brewing and then you're like oh no it's exponentially harder than deck brewing it's like you're like making 10 to 12 different decks you're a game designer it really really makes you uh appreciate the people at wizards and how hard their job is
1: and so you can use people that have already done the work uh, for you as a jumping off point. Uh, some people have started off with like a set like Modern Horizons and use that as a jumping off point for saying, well, I need this kind of card draw spells and I'll replace this with a mm. kill spell and stuff like that. But uh,
2: I still have maybe snow covered as a theme and I still have plus one plus one counters maybe as a theme and artifacts as a theme. And one of
1: the great things is that you kind of might have a lot of those cards lying around if you open up that set a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also go and take a cube from someone offline you can take my cubes offline and start we've got his whole list brandon's list offline too and start messing with it a little bit and really making it your own and part of cube is also really play testing it as you go along and figuring out what works and what doesn't work one thing i like to do is at the end of the night i ask everyone what their first pick was what card they're excited about what their last pick was
2: and so you know, like the last pick cards maybe need to get out of the cube, and mm-hmm. the first pick cards maybe I need more support for that because mm-hmm. I know people naturally want to do that. that or makes this is too powerful; we can't keep it in there. That
1: happens all the time. People say like, "This is busted," right? And that's happened a few times when something has been kind of busted and unfun in my vintage cube, and I've been like, "Up, oh, you gotta, I gotta pull it out to keep the balance." Um, the way we want it because we want everyone to have a really fun play experience.
3: Now for your cubes, did you sit down and write down, I want this archetype, this archetype, this archetype? Did you look through your cards and find the ones that
1: spoke to you? What sort of brought you to like finalizing what your cube was going to look like? So that's a really great question because for each different cube, it was a different process. Mm -hmm. For my vintage cube, I took the Magic Online vintage cube list and sort of tweaked that and made it my own. So again, took a cube list that someone else did all the grunt work for and then made it a little bit of my own. Uh, then when we talk about thing like cons block cube, I essentially worked off of the work that wizards already did in creating mm. that cons block experience. And I did stuff like uh, take away a lot of the higher power level cards. Do you remember later on in comms block and fate reforged when they had things yeah. like Citadel siege and yep. suddenly it wasn't fun anymore? You just get that. You just win every game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So instead just I took, it out. Uh, you know what I mean? So we, we identified what made the format not fun. And I took those out.
3: Yeah, and you also took out the rares, for example, that weren't made for limited, but had exactly. to be rare or mythic in that range. Okay, yeah. I see, I see. This makes a lot more sense.
1: And then with the Commander Cube, that one I tried to build from scratch a little bit more. And, and we're, we're going to talk
2: about this. You had a hard time with the Commander Cube, right? Yeah, I did have a hard yeah. time
1: putting together the Commander Cube. And one thing I did lean on, though, is I leaned on the 2016 Precons, oh, the okay. four-color color. Precons, to kind of give me some direction about what archetypes I want and really use them as a larger card pool.
2: Great, that experience is going to be really useful when we move into the Commander Cube section here. But we're going to finish out with just a couple pieces of pieces of advice. I think obviously we're not going to be able to tell you how to design a cube on this show. <laughs> like, you could probably do an entire podcast that's just about you cube. Could do, I'm surprised yeah. nobody's. Maybe somebody's doing that. and I apologize if you are, but to my knowledge. There isn't one and hey, if you know a lot about Cube, there you go. That idea is go. free. Okay. There's also uh, plenty of articles. People have read yeah, a lot about fun. this online. Yeah. A lot of cube designers out there. One of the big things I would say about designing a limited environment is to make sure you have a good amount of cards, whatever your archetypes are, that straddle multiple archetypes. So if you got a plus one, plus one counters theme and a Graveyard recursion theme. Find as many cards as you can that play in both of those themes that Even, are pivot points for those strategies. Right, Even right.
1: something like Den Protector. Yeah. Where you, you might think you one. might think, oh, Eternal Witness is just better. I'll stick that in there. But Den Protector megamorphs and gets a plus one plus one right. counter. So now but it's graveyard recursion back the and it's
2: your one one counter. It goes in either deck and all. And that is
1: added. a good stuff card as well. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and that's really important in a lot of cubes. We get super excited for cards that might seem unimpressive but straddle different strategies. So, uh, for example, I got very excited when when Charter Course came out. Mm-hmm. It's just a blue, draw two. If you didn't attack, you discard one. Right. And you think it's a very mediocre card. But I was super excited because it could go in blue and give you that card advantage, that velocity, but also be a discard outlet for the reanimator deck. Right, Very cool.
3: Or if you had Dredge or something, for instance, or cards you wanted in your graveyard, then yeah,
2: it's great for that. Yeah. All right, let's talk about color balance in the cube. I think this is kind of one of the last things to think about when you're designing it. You want to make sure that you have... I think most cubes have like the same number of cards in each color. Mm-hmm. What you don't want to do generally, there's, there's Always exceptions to all rules. Because yeah. uh, in Vintage Cube, blue is super, super strong and everybody knows it. So they kind of weigh, they kind of lean into it.
1: My Vintage Cube and the online Vintage Cube has more blue cards than other cards. Mm-hmm. Just
2: because blue is stronger and will get drafted more and everybody knows that. But yeah. in general, when you sit down to draft a cube, if it's not vintage, your assumption is I can draft any of these colors and they'll be equal to the other colors. And so you really want to have the same amount of cards available in each color, otherwise you know, you're not telling people, hey, don't draft red because there's just less red cards.
1: Yeah. You want all the archetypes to be viable and because so many people pull out of blue uh, it ends up making certain archetypes not viable. And so what right. they've done is they've bolstered blue a little bit. Uh, just that in might vintage. Be, yeah, yeah, just in vintage. And part of the reason might be because Storm actually. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it requires it. requires a few of these random blue cards and it's kind of a problematic strategy that's fun. It's also really important to make
3: sure that your archetypes can beat each other. So, for instance, if there is a Storm deck, then there should be ways to beat it through for instance pure aggression in red or maybe red has burn spells when green has a bunch of big blockers so that you can just go straight to face like there are ways for the archetypes to beat each other otherwise you're going to find and i've seen this in so many cubes. Red is always the most underpowered color, and then as a result, you see, like, Hellkite Tyrants and stuff going around so late, and you're like, why, Hellrider?
1: Why are you still in this pack? Or the Storm deck can just beat itself because it's not that great.
2: <laughs> I, I've never won with Storm and cube ever, but I always try it because so it seems hard. fun. It seems that yeah. Red is usually really good in cube, actually, yeah. but nobody drafts it because that's not the it's fun strategy. It's not the strategy. fun thing to but do. Fun, but if you right? do, you will win, usually, but yeah. Um, all right, so it can be pretty daunting to put a cube together. It requires you to put your game design hat on, obviously, And it's even more challenging in multiplayer. Obviously, we've covered the basics of regular cube, and that's for 1v1, most of what we've been talking about here. But the next part of the discussion is going to revolve around designing a commander cube, a multiplayer cube. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, That's a n g i dot com. All right, we are
3: back with special guest DJ, hey, and we are talking DJ. about Commander Cube. Uh, we just went through what a cube is and sort of some of the basic rules about it, but now we're mm-hmm. going to talk about designing a Commander Cube. And DJ, you have a lot of experience with this, so why don't you kick us off here? What what was so difficult, particularly about making a Commander Cube?
1: Yeah, I think that one of the main things that makes Commander Cube difficult is because most of the time you're playing with, you're drafting with four people instead of eight people, mm-hmm. and so it really has to do with how many cards people see and what kind of archetypes you're building in, and so and so yeah, when, when you're drafting yeah.
2: with four, just less of your cube is going to be open, so any of your given archetypes just might not show up in enough. Uh, density density mass, to actually yeah. make it happen so you can like go down the path of like I'm gonna do plus one plus one counters this is gonna be great and then all of a sudden <laughs> no more plus one plus one counters stuff comes. and
1: you can guarantee that that exists like you can build your cube so it's designed for four people drafting but then it feels flat and boring because you're just like oh I guess I'm the plus one plus one counter person and I'm just gonna right. go after that strategy because uh, yeah, you're you riding want multiple the multiple archetypes yeah. of
2: the to this commander so you want to be able to build Voltron if you want to or build Reaper King if you want to or build Graveyard right. Recursion if you want to and so on yeah, so so that's a that's a pretty
1: big challenge when designing it. Absolutely, and then those those are specific archetypes that are unique and feel like commander and feel like you're really going after a specific deck. Uh, but there's a tendency to want to go towards good stuff. Just because it's easier? It is it is much easier. And, and everyone can
3: draft into their deck and it'll always do the thing it needs to do, right?
1: And sometimes in Commander, we're not very satisfied with these good stuff decks that we play.
2: Right.
3: Mm-hmm. We
1: so kind of like want to move that, that, I wrap me. the
2: board, I play a big creature, mm, but Eternal none never work together. Yeah. 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 Which is cool and can be powerful, but that's not generally what a, most people like about Commander. And again, I think the thing people liked about the Commander Cube episode was that it did feel like Commander. Like everybody right. had a personality at the table of what their deck was trying to do.
1: And so that can be hard, where you have good stuff, which is easier and more conducive to fewer players, and then you and more conducive to a smaller cube, and then you have the archetypes, you know, where... Um, you may not get the density. Take. I'm sorry. The good stuff is more conducive to a larger cube, right? and the archetypes are more more conducive to smaller a cube. smaller cube where you can guarantee the card pools that people are looking at. What a more homogenized experience
2: overall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, another thing I would assume is makes commander cube even more difficult above that is it's commander. Yeah. The color identity of. So when we draft a deck in cons block or something else or whatever, in L drain, as we're going along, if you just want to, start uh, i'm gonna start grabbing some black cards here i'm gonna play those uh no with my blue cards that i already took no problem but in commander cube there's this added layer of like well what if i was building around like a green blue commander and then if i want to i start seeing good black cards not only do i like i've put those in my deck i have to find a legendary now that works with not only the colors but also the strategy that i'm going for you can't just pick any like demure yeah commander to just lead... If it's Lazov, it's going to be totally different than if it's, I don't know, name another Demir commander. Somebody's bailed me out. Uh, uh, the mill one. Phoenix, the right? Mi- yeah, if, the, Phoenix. Uh, the mill one. They both the, kind of mill, so I guess well, it would sort of work, but anyway, you get yeah. what I'm saying out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I totally get what you're saying, and, and there's a few different ways to get around that. Number one, you can have very generic commanders available. Uh, boring, underpowered ones, so if you're drafting a blue-black deck, you know that you have access to a boring, generic blue-black general just without drafting it just yeah, yeah. i wanted able to, to clarify that because i
2: have played in a commander cube that was like that so like what that cube i played with had i want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing is like before the draft there was basically um i believe this one had a generic or mediocre commander at basically each color pairing
1: and you always and that
2: was That near. was available. They said <laughs> at the end of the draft, you can grab one of these and just play it as your commander if you want to. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to draft it. So you never have to worry about, I got to find a legendary. Now, those legendaries were not very good, but at least they would allow you to play the colors. I think they even have the, three, ten, the 10 three color yeah. pairings too.
1: Well, and the other, the other way that a lot of commander cubes do it, and actually most of them, is you do a commander draft yeah. first. So the first thing you do is you do, before you start looking at the big cube with all those cards in it, first you say, hey, now we're going to draft our commanders first. And you basically so- have a fourth pack
2: that you start with. It's yeah. a pack of all legendary creatures, right? Yeah. And then, so you open that pack, you you pass it, you take them, and then you end up with a, a 15 legendary creatures, but, and yeah. you know you've got those to choose from as you're drafting the the rest of the cards.
1: And some people, the way they do it is they actually will have smaller packs so you won't quite have 15 because 15 yeah, felt I like you have too did. many. I've done ones where it's been six or even four right. or something like that.
3: And you can play those Commanders in your deck as well if it happens, like if you draft a... Yeah, they are cards in your pool. Yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. cool.
1: But again, these are all different rules. That's one of the things that's interesting about Commander Cube is that we just talked about... We just have played three different commander cubes that do it in three different ways. Right. Yeah. Some of them you draft your legendaries beforehand. In Brandon Sanderson's, you had to draft them along with your deck.
2: <clears throat> yeah, he specifically said he didn't like the, the separate pre-draft. track, separate yeah. draft, yeah, because he felt like as you were going, you couldn't do as much. You were kind of locked in after that first pack a little bit, and so yeah, he wanted you to be able to find a cool legendary, open it, and be like, "I'm doing that." Yeah. But that uh, seems
3: really tough because if you have a smaller card pool, it's like, well, I have a legendary card. Like Josh was saying, you might have three different legendary cards in the same color-, in the color pairing, but they don't do the same thing. Right. It's a little different, for instance, like plus one, plus one counters and Obzon. There are plenty of commanders that sort of fit in that range, right? And you can kind of do similar things, but it's not the case for everything. So how do you even have enough support to make all the cards work?
1: So support is going to be a real big key to this, to building these archetypes, because the bigger you get, the more redundancy you need to make sure that you can have that archetype be viable. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's a balancing game it is really difficult to make sure that you build your deck with those support systems in it. And one of the be- best things that you can do is have cards that overlap to provide multiple levels of support. And you'll notice that Wizards does this in their own sets, right. where some cards will be able to sort of ride the line between two different strategies. Yeah. I would
2: say, too, that um, cube is always going to be a little different than a com- an actual commander deck, whereas in an actual commander deck, 100% of your cards can be towards a plan. If you watch the Game Nights episode... Jimmy has a token-focused deck, but he also has a a, a, um, a sort of sub-theme of legendary creatures and sneaking out some big things. And I had, like, a recursion theme, but I also had a token sub-theme. And, like, yep. that's the way limited works, and that's why it's awesome is that MacGyver aspect of, like, building the machine on the fly. And so you're like, this is my primary strategy. And then trying to find like another strategy that's going to fill out the rest of it because you know you're just not going to get 23 cards that all do the same thing. You might get nine that do one thing and another six or seven that do another thing that's so slightly related and you feel clever being like these two things actually work well together. Yeah. So that's one of the things I think d- about designing the cube and even playing it is not thinking, oh, the graveyard recursion deck is going to be 100% cards that... Re- recur from the graveyard. Some of that stuff is you're know, you going to need a sub-theme or other things to fill it out.
1: And you can turn the dials a little bit in one direction or the other to try and balance this out because this is not a science where you get it right immediately. In fact, commander decks themselves, you very rarely just make a first draft and you're like it's perfect. Right. And so there's different ways that you can kind of mess with those numbers. One way that people do it on the fly is actually allowing trading after the draft.
2: Yeah, there's interesting. You you wrote this down. I haven't seen this in a commander cube before. Can you explain how how that's worked when you
1: Yeah. So basically what it has been is, uh, you've been in your pods and basically you're allowed to say, uh, uh, you can trade this many cards. You can trade for this amount of time where you say, uh, I've picked up these red cards who has some green cards. And like you just kind of trade around a little bit. Right.
2: Like I thought it was going to be red, but then I actually switched into blue. And so I don't, I can't play these four red cards. Did anybody else do that for either of my other colors? And then you just trade them straight across?
1: So yes, it was very fun when I did it, but it also took up a ton of time. Uh, yeah. right. <laughs> right. Everyone's sitting there debating. And then yeah. you're thinking, well, am I going to give you this amazing card for just this card that happens to be in my color? Right. And it becomes this deeper game when <clears throat> honestly, I feel like Commander Cube should be just overwhelmingly fun rather than strategizing about trading. So, so, trading is very cool and enjoyable, but it also has problematic aspects a problematic aspect to it. Downside.
2: Yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I would say that, uh, you know. A, a way to fix some of this stuff would be like draft an additional pack or stuff like that which is, are things you can do but all those things do add time to the draft and the draft will already take a quite a long time I think it was like an hour for us to draft this cube with yeah. Brandon tons of decisions to be made yeah and you have to read so many cards and stuff oh, like yeah. that and
1: three hours to shuffle it
2: yeah <laughs> I mean we didn't know what Akhan's Run did so you got every person that goes by you has know to Akon's read it Run? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't. So, <laughs> one, yeah, okay, one, I know. one other
1: thing that's really interesting is that we've heard from Commander Legends coming out about a year from now that they're not doing traditional packs of 15.
2: Right, they're, they're doing, doing packs of 20. Packs. So they're actually... They got the same problems that a Commander Cube brewer has. Which is really cool, And they're tackling it in similar ways, right? Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: I have a feeling that when Commander Legends comes out, we're going to be paying cube players, and Commander Cube players are going to pay extra close attention to how Wizards problem-solves these same scenarios, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Commander Cubes go, oh, yeah, that's the way to do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Or
1: if a lot of people just build Commander Cubes out of that set.
2: Well, I mean, it turns out if you hire a bunch of, like, professional, (laughs) the best game designers in the business to do something, you probably copy what they're doing well right? not to mention they also have one of the best testers
3: in the world go up to their headquarters and yep. try it out themselves that's right josh went up almost a year ago to try out the commander cube or the commander draft experience that gavin's working on so that means they've been working on this for
2: multiple years they've been they're gonna have tons of playtesting done i think a lot of people are gonna be really interested into what they come up with yeah i think gavin said uh six years he's been working on this is almost the same amount of time that maro was working on unstable so it's wow. it's really like gavin's uh, I know who's so, excited yeah. I'm excited I'm so excited okay so let's talk about some of Brandon's solution so Brandon's cubes specifically that we played on game nights he came in contact with a lot of these same problems we've been discussing. And Brandon being a very creative guy and a super smart guy, somewhat of a game designer, obviously. And if you read his books, you would definitely feel that. A world designer, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We were talking about the magic systems earlier and how we think that his magic systems are really cool and, and interactive and really logical and make a lot of sense. And now I can see how he's kind of applied that same logic here.
2: I mean, I asked him point blank. I was like, clearly game design is something that you know speaks to you in some way and you do put it into your writing like do you do that consciously and he's like oh yeah so willing. yeah because the rules of his magic systems and how they work in his world are very well designed like you could say like a lot of writers I mean like Tolkien and stuff you don't really know what Gandalf can do and yeah. what the rules of it are right?
3: He's just a day's ex machina Yeah exactly <laughs>
2: but Brandon's worlds don't work like that he lays it out they can do this they can do that here's the downside here's what they need here's right. what you know so he's very much a game designer so he of course used that part of his brain to help his commander cube and it worked really, really well. So Brandon had a series of what he called regalia. Which are very similar to what
3: conspiracies were, if you guys yeah. ever draft a conspiracy.
2: So these came in different forms. Some of them were just cards that were in packs, but they were... We'll put some on screen here. And actually, Brandon did give us the template for all these regalia. And they're customizable, too. So if you want to design your own, you could type in your own and print them out. And uh, he bought the rights to all the clip art and everything that's used on them <laughs> just so that it'd all be on the up and up. So what Brandon cool that's yeah, awesome. Brandon Me. wanted people to be able to do this and design their own stuff. So one of the things he did is he, he had what were called crowns. So these were cards that were in packs. And if you took it, it would just say something simple like your commander's color identity has blue in addition to its other colors. Which is exactly what blue I crown. did to play a Nephilim as a five color commander. Right. So you just add a crown and if you picked up a couple of them you or there were rules I think. Uh you yeah. could only have like one one regalia per commander or something like that it's in it's all in his rules and i
1: guarantee that what happened is that someone one of his friends was playing his cube and broke it and at the end (laughs) they're like they're like all right let's sit down and let's problem solve this and let's go through it and that's something that that you guys should embrace too as you're building your cube to say okay what happened here with this deck monstrosity that that actually dominated this format you know
2: but i think it's a really cool example of a way to sort of help it's sort of along the lines of having those generic commanders that you have access to at the end of the draft. A crown is a, solves a a problem in a similar way. It says, Oh, you want blue? Well, if you just use one pick on this blue thing, then you can add that to any of the commanders you find. And that will mean that you didn't waste those three or four picks or whatever. And you know, you're going to be just fine.
1: Well, and also you notice the stress of having to get the exact right commander and that removes a lot of the stress and say, well, if I have this blue regalia, I can pick blue cards and be totally fine. I'll and, always get to play blue yeah. cards, yeah. And and then I can eventually pitch, pick up that legendary creature.
3: And if you turned a three-color commander into a four-color one, you might still only be playing three colors, right?
2: Right, not it, not one of the colors of the actual commander. Yeah. You just have a couple, yeah. Good call. Um, he had what was called scepters, which were allowed you to find extra cards after deck building ended. So you could Super draft... Super powerful. Yeah, very powerful, but he he only... So these scepters came in the same sleeve with only certain cards. So you couldn't just necessarily grab the scepters. As I recall, we only drafted it one time, so I could mm-hmm. be mis, uh, misinforming slightly. But anyway, the scepter would say, like, you can find pick a creature type. Go find five creatures of this creature type after the draft is over. Whoa. So it would allow, like, a vampire strategy when... If you have a 900 card cube, how many vampires would you need in it to make vampire a tribal as a archetype viable mm-hmm. if you didn't have a card like that
1: i mean i would pick humans and like go and yeah, get like yeah. crazy humans I, that's if, why if i didn't have that that's
2: why i think it, it only went like it went
3: so with... it was
1: in a vampire card and you could only get vampires or was
2: it i think reaper king had it was a similar one
1: there's some card yeah, that's cool. Or it's yeah. just
3: like look we're opening a bunch of cards there's a good chance you're not going to see a lot of the cards your archetype this isn't allowing you to find the most powerful cards ever you need to specify like the type i can find five type. goblins and that made yeah, exactly. reaper king
1: work that right, that right. card is impossible to make function in a nine hundred card cube without just like something like scarecrow's this. There's
2: like seven scarecrows ever. It's just
1: yeah. like it, there's no support. Yeah. But with this uh, little game mechanic, suddenly you're like, oh, actually there is support.
2: For yeah. This. It opens up a lot more possibility. And actually, the Reaper King, I, I think I mis I misstated, was a tattoo. So certain. Let's talk about those. Yeah. Certain <laughs> commander cards or legendary cards um, would have. A card that came in the sleeve with them and this is what it was it was a tattoo and that one's the tattoo for reaper king said you may specify five artifact creatures in your deck as scarecrows so you you didn't even necessarily get to go find scarecrows you got to just turn artifact so what it told you is draft reaper king now you can just pull artifact creatures and make them turn them into scarecrows yep. but only five of them
1: and, and But artifacts are something that could easily be included in your cube. You know you're going to be able to get five of them throughout the draft.
2: Right. Yep. It's not like Scarecrow's where there's just not very many. Artifact creatures are going to be running around all over, and so just grabbing some of those is going to allow you to fill out that strategy. Well, and
1: that means that the artifact creatures could support the Reaper King strategy. It could re- support an, archety- uh, an artifact archetype or a lot of other different archetypes. And so it creates that system of, well, we have one card that fits into so many different decks.
3: Right. Yeah. right. And it also just makes a card like Reaper King playable uh they also had tattoos that allowed you to put two creatures in the command zone sort of like partners which also it's like let's say you have a you know a semi-powerful two two color commander and another one where well, you compare these two together and that i think that was a really good way of giving you the flexibility to, to do more in the draft without having to feel like oh crap i'm stuck in simic the whole time
2: yeah and and also when you're only drafting with four players you just might not see uh, very many uh cards in the a color pair yeah to make it really Viable to build a good deck. You notice in the game nights episode, Jimmy played five color because he took a Nephilim, added a color, and then Nadine and I both played straight up five color commanders and then Brandon played a three color commander, but added a color So he was four color So almost everybody was a lot of colors because it allowed us to just play a lot of the cards We saw that came by us in the draft rather than being like I can't even look at that because it's green and I don't have green. Yeah, so yeah as a result everyone's mana base was a little sketchy Yeah, but if everybody's mana base is sketchy. It's fine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> equal power level equal power level so In addition to that, Brandon also had some stickers that went on the outside of the sleeves and that denoted certain things. So a Clover sticker designated that a card could be your commander even if it wasn't legendary or even if it wasn't a creature. So Jimmy... Yeah, me again, yeah. Yeah, the Nephilim aren't legendary,
3: but... But, you know, a lot of people have won and some playgroups even have them as commanders. So in Brandon's Cube's case, it's like, you know what, I do want to have more four-color options at commander. Thus, every Nephilim can also be your commander thanks to the little Clover sticker.
2: Yeah, and I think there was like a couple of artifacts or some other stuff that he was like, ah, that can be your commander. That'll be fun. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, And then there were star stickers and these had two cards in the sleeve with a star on it. And they kind of worked like partner with. So if you took one, you got both. So the star would just denote like there's another card in this sleeve. And it was him creating his own partners with.
1: So if you draft Krav, they're like, by the way, Regna's in this box over there. You automatically get her
2: right although he just put both cards in the sleeve i believe so yeah some sleeves are a little packed because of all the different (laughs) things in there but he was doing that without ones that had partner with he was doing it with like other things too so that you'd be like just like two creatures like it could be like an elvish mystic and then a three drop for instance
3: you know like stuff like that yeah Yeah. i don't know exactly what he did because again we only saw a smattering of cards but it did
2: work with the partners with as well to make them work the same way without changing the whole rules of the cube right Mm -hmm. yeah um and then another thing Brandon did, and I don't know if this was just a side effect of not using cards that were in the Powered Cube or on purpose, but there was just less ramp and fixing and removal in general in this cube. So it wasn't none, but just fewer. And I think because a lot of the really good stuff was taken by the Powered Cube. Yeah. There was no Cultivate, Kodama's Reach, and that kind of stuff at all. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of like no signets were in there and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you'll notice none of us
3: really ramped out. We waited till turn three, I think, for everyone to make their first plays in our game.
2: It really made the games interesting because it changed the power level a lot of stuff if you're gonna have to get it out either on time or naturally. Yeah. Or it also made things like uh, Jimmy, you had Thrawn's Temporal Gateway a lot more powerful, maybe, because that was the only way to get certain things out. Yep. And so it's I, I really like what it did to the game itself, which is make it sort of progress in more of a, um, what's the word? In sort of more of an incremental, in time, yeah. in incremental fashion rather than somebody just like does something nuts. If That's usually created by somebody just having 10 mana super early. It's usually not created if everyone's got four mana then five mana then six mana yeah. right it's the classic Cassius turn three Ugin kind of thing in
3: this case everyone you know had to wait for their man to come around Brandon was waiting on that last swamp for the entire game but it made things so much more intense as a result and of course everyone was doing the progenitus countdown as well for for uh, for this a cosplay
1: yeah well some people argue that green loses its color identity when you mm-hmm. include every signet every piece of fast artifact mana mm-hmm. and so maybe this is a way that I mean we're not playing elvish mystics because that's probably in his power Cube, right? But this might be a way that green big mana strategies are able to kind of exist in the way that they're supposed to be.
2: Yeah, and I, I had like a rich car that did, you know, one ramp was just pretty good in that game because it was just one more than everybody else had. Yeah, you know, and then I had the Utopia sprawl that just one piece of fixing because nobody else really had fixing. Yeah, just makes a big difference when there's not much of it. Well, when everybody's got tons of it, then any single piece is not worth that much. So it really changed the value of rich car to like something you really wanted just because. Well there's not a lot of ramp, so this one does ramp, and I, yeah. I'm gonna be one man ahead of everybody, that's a big mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool how that changed the game dynamic and, and and how the game played out. You know, Brandon also includes some cards in there that are not
3: legal in Commander, oh, right? right? We're already making non-legendary creatures legendary, we're adding extra text to things, and Brandon, you know, I think as, again, he's a story writer, he's a world builder, he definitely felt like he wanted to be a little more creative with his cube, and this is 100% something you can do as well with your own experience. Uh, he had some uncards in there. Yeah. One of them, the, the clay, clay pigeon, pigeon. Uh, used a great effect <laughs> in the great. game. <laughs> Somehow gets around progenitus, by the way, because it's any source. Who knew? <laughs> source. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Thank you for the templating on that one, Maro. <laughs> so yeah, just because it's a commander cube doesn't mean you need to follow the official rules.
1: Yeah. And in my vintage cube, I have a few uncards as well, and they add a little bit of spice and flavor to it. And so feel free to build whatever kind of decks that work with you. And some of those uncards... I mean, we were kind of wondering, could they be our commanders? Ah. Like, how cool are they? Well, maybe they belong in a commander cube. That's what
2: I was going to say. Actually, a lot of people wish they could play them. And have wanted to build decks around them or whatever. And this is a place where, like, you get to say all the rules of the thing. So you're like, you're playing my cube, and X is legal in this cube. And so is, you know, Baron von Count. Yeah, exactly. All that stuff. And this is a place where, yeah, yeah, we can get to see those commanders do some work. And they're just the same as any legendary creature in my cube. So I I really like that, that it opens up those kind of possibilities. Another thing that Brandon did in his cube, and you can do in all your cubes especially commander cube is you can just have different rules than commander just because it's called commander cube doesn't mean you have to follow all of the official rules of commander. So yeah, for
3: instance, it wasn't singleton. She had two Azorius chanceries in there because she could draft two of them.
2: Uh, no commander damage. Brandon just decided that that wasn't really necessary in the cube, so the commander damage is not there. Um, There were actually a couple cards, a couple of his regalia, that said, this creature has commander damage, just Uh, to to make it interesting. Um, All the planeswalkers in the cube could be your commander. He just Hmm. said that at the start.
1: Clover's commanders, planeswalkers are commanders, and uh, it sounds like he really played around with that so that you didn't really have to worry about getting a legendary creature because there's so many commanders in your draft environment.
2: Yeah, you just have a lot of choices. You're not going to have mm-hmm. to worry about, oh, man, I hope one more comes around. There's yeah, tons because of it's off. a Planeswalker,
1: yeah. a Nephilim, all sorts yeah, of good stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh, he also specified that in the cube, hybrid mana cards, if they were in your deck, they counted as either or. So uh, you could have a hybrid Orzhov card, even if you didn't have white in your color identity for your commander, It could be in your 99. But if it was in your command zone, a hybrid mana card, then it counted as and. It has to be both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because otherwise cards like Alesha and things just wouldn't work, right? Mm -hmm. Because, (laughs) yeah. So pretty interesting how Brandon got around a lot of the little problems and issues we were talking about and really made something that, I got to say, like the game played out awesome and the deck's all felt super fun like nobody just built like a regular straightforward deck everyone had a plan had a strategy and was able to sort of like put their personality into it
3: it was cool because it felt like a mix between an unset and a regular draft because all of a sudden in conspiracy right because you're doing special things you're taking special cards I had one that let me look through the rest of his cube and pick out a couple of cards after and that gave me so much more security so I could do this strategy a little more instead or focus some picks here so I definitely encourage all the people that have that creative sort of spark in them or just want to experiment around nothing's ever final Right, I'm sure Brandon went home and made some changes to his cube even after we played with it that day. Uh, you can really do a lot of different stuff with your cubes, and you can make it really any experience you want. and For instance, I think it was a 40-card minimum for our decks, but everyone ended up putting 50, 55,
2: 60 cards in their deck. And if they would have put less, I would have been way better off in that game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, like you mentioned, I, I really like the passion and the creativity that's involved in here. Uh, I wasn't on that episode of Game Nights, but I'm a huge fan of Brandon Sanderson, so I was like. Can I can I come over? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, DJ visited. I just that like day showed a good up. Yeah, I just, just showed up. And saying, yeah, can you signed my book. Um, but I we also sat that. down and talked. But we talked about yeah. Cube for a while, and it's sort of the passion that's involved in it, and really the creativity and the problem solving of of well, this is exciting, and this, and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. And really, it's the community. You talk about it with other people. You figure out well what's good and what doesn't work, and you talk about it with your friends. A lot of times when a draft is done. You're done, right. yeah. you know what I mean? But one of the great things about sort of building a cube and inviting your friends in along with it is the, well, what was good, what was bad? Oh well, my gosh, what do I think about this card? Every time a new set comes out, like I get text messages that are saying like, so-and-so good for vintage cube. You know, <laughs> once upon a time, Questing Beast, in your cube. And I'm like, oh, veil 100%. of Summer, in your cube. Oco 100% in there. Yeah, okay. Oco's in, Veil of Summer, no. Uh. Uh, there's, there's hate cards are a whole different thing that a lot of cube people talk about. Yeah. It's like, do you play like red elemental blast in your cube? Right. Do you play protection from like, or true name nemesis, things like that. And so actually there's a lot of different cube people that have so many opinions. And that's the fun part is that you'll kind of be a part of a bigger community
2: yeah there is definitely a cube community out there, a lot of resources for you if you're interested in building one again, we'll have in the show notes for this episode the link to Brandon's full list of his cube, all his like rules and stuff, the regalia uh if you want the custom ones if you want to make your own, also the ones that Brandon does have yep. in his cube. We'll put a link to the card Kingdom starter cube, and then if you just google how to build a cube and stuff. There's going to be a ton of information
3: out there. And if you get a chance, go and play a cube and get an experience of what it's like. And that'll give you a better idea of like, oh, okay. Or if you want, you know, draft more in general, you're going to find out what you like and don't like as well when it comes to it. One last thing about cubes and DJ, I'm sure you can attest to this. If you're building the cube and it's your cube and you're lending it out to other people to play, make sure that you know where all the cards go and they all get back to you at the end of the night. Count them all out because so many times cards get lost, they may get misplaced, dropped on the ground, or in worst case scenario, someone might take something. So just be wary of that. I know for a fact that Cube is one of those really fun experiences I don't want to get spoiled by you know losing one of your favorite cards because you did it in a public area and then someone put their sideboard over here and forgot to pick it up, yada yada. If it's a draft, it's a little different, but with Cube, it's your
2: collection. Good advice. All, all right. right, to the listeners... Have you ever built a commander cube? Was it designed with any of these special mechanics or things similar to Brandon's regalia or any of these other little tricks we talked about extra cards in the pack, or maybe like trading at the end or having a, a whole bunch of legendary creatures that after the draft is over m- that you could choose from if you have to. Yeah. yeah. What's
1: your secret tech that's yeah. really worked that other people can pick up on?
2: Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people after the game nights episode that are like, I really want to build a commander cube. That looked like a lot of fun. And, any resources or help that you can give them in the comment section and whatnot is, is really great for the entire community. I have one really great resource that everyone should use.
3: It's cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's our <laughs> affiliate link. If you're going to buy cards, if you're going to buy a bunch of them in bulk, I you know, I really do enjoy buying cards from one place if I'm buying a lot of them because you make sure that they all get to you. They're all going to be graded by the same person, shipped in the right same quality, and it gets to you on time, so you don't need to wait around for 50 different pieces to come in to make a cube. So if you use that affiliate link, you're really supporting the show. You're supporting everything that we do here at Game Nights, and you know I can't wait to see what people build. cardkingdom.com slash command
2: zone really do check out that starter cube the thing is legit. yeah that's that's such a great idea Yeah, they got uh chris van meter and some other people over there who oh, yeah, are like high level magic players that are building this stuff so they know what they're doing uh and then once you have the cube then you're going to want to protect that thing. Again, Ultra Pro is our other sponsor, and they do everything. They give you all the tools you need to protect all of your stuff. They have a, cu- a number of different things that will hold a cube. Mm-hmm. They've got a specific box that's right over here that's a cube holder. They've got awesome sleeves, so you can protect your cards, and all the, all the other stuff, you know, relic tokens and things like that. A lot of cubes have a separate box that's all the lands, and then another box that's all yeah. the tokens and stuff like that. They, you really get into like spicing up your cube in the same way that you would your deck, and Ultra Pro helps you do all that. It's important. to make
3: sure all the cards are sleeved in the same durability same exact sleeve same exact sleeve so yeah Mm -hmm. buying for instance my uh our friend josh kim just sleeved this entire thing up in Eclipse clip sleeves and it's a dream to shuffle that thing together you're taking huge piles shuffling it and everyone it's great
1: this is actually a bigger deal than you might think because i've sleeved in poor sleeves before and as soon as one sleeve breaks you need to replace it with another one oh, but you need the consistency yeah. of being able to say well this new sleeve will match all my other ones so you don't have to re-sleeve huge groups of it so right. you re- maintain the consistency so it's actually a really big deal to get high quality sleeves that last a long same. time yeah all from the same that don't have weird variations between them so yeah. eclipse sleeves are the way to go
3: or just do it all unsleeved and go nuts actually do not
2: recommend that don't yeah don't
1: do not yeah
3: do not don't do that. Do that. See, even Josh doesn't. <laughs> like
2: All right, so now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. DJ, you got something cool? I do. Oh, he came prepared. Oh, I did.
1: Goodness, we were. Uh, I
2: was about to whip out my. I was project.
1: like looking what at my I phone, done? like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something cool outside the oh, world yes. of magic is the show "Living with Yourself" on Netflix.
2: Oh, I've seen the trailer. I haven't watched it. This is uh, yeah. Paul Rudd. Paul it's Rudd. Paul Rudd,
1: and it's creepy and funny and really makes you think. It's of I don't want to spoil it because well, there's the, so the much pitch, stuff. So what's
2: it about, like in two sentences? What would you say it's about? Like it's Paul Rudd. He comes home one day from the trailer and he's literally okay, face yeah. to okay, face good. with himself, right? The trailer.
1: Yes. yes, yes, yes.
2: Yeah, I saw the trailer on Well, I do oh, know? So, so the first. So I I've only seen it. the first couple like episodes, bit, like and a I a wanted to make can sure. I that... any movie, by the way. Yeah. I don't have to have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> years and years. I'm already pitching it. I'm just like that's yeah. on the trailer. One lonely man.
1: It. Yeah, Paul Rudd is sort of in a rut in his life. He kind of sucks at work. Oh my gosh, damn it. <laughs> you said it. He's in a deep (laughs) rut. He can't get out of this (laughs) rut that he's in. Uh, He's having problems with his wife and his job. And so he decides to sort of freshen up a little bit. um, When that goes horribly awry, and he ends up with a a clone of himself Ah. that's now been thrown into his life.
3: And now he must live, right? And now
1: he has to figure out exactly how to deal with this version of himself that also has a place in his life.
2: Interesting. Very cool. So and going it means, The same thing that The Rock went through. Ryan Seacrest went through it.
1: <laughs> how are there? Yeah,
2: seriously, how, how is The Rock doing? in every single TV show? It's not I'm possible. A movie. Because yeah. he has his family is just five rocks. He has four clones. Four probably. clones, yeah. Four, he <laughs> probably all... wrote this thing, too. <laughs> yeah. One of his clones wrote it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, so that means Paul Rudd playing two different characters, always a fun showcase for actors to do. I know that for sure. And so I'm sure it's a lot of fun because I do love Paul Rudd a lot.
1: He's a great actor, and it's dark and funny and really makes you think along the way. It's great.
2: Cool. cool. Check it out. Living with yourself. What's something Uh else that makes you think? Something else that makes you think is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find them right next to us at Collected.Company or you can just type The Masters of Modern into your podcast app or YouTube. They're doing videos now. Find them. All right. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team here at the Command Zone house
3: is Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estrada, Terry Robertson, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo, and
1: occasionally... DJ. Thank you. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Card Animations at Living Cards MTG. What do we got today? Days. Oh, days. Days. The Invocation. Invocation
3: days. And you can also find his animations at start and end our show at youtube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. DJ, where can you find you?
1: You can find me on YouTube, Jumbo Commander. That's my YouTube channel. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Jumbo Commander.
3: Check it out. Make sure you do. Also, I love your logo. Every time I see that elephant, it makes me very happy. Thank you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Everybody loves TJ. Yeah,
3: who doesn't? All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, everyone. Peace. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast
3: at rocketjump.com.